Welcome everybody, you are listening to the Dawson D Show and this is episode 71 featuring the chairman of Leading Teams, Justin Peckett. Leading Teams develops high-performing teams and leaders Australia-wide. With over 20 facilitators, they work with professional sporting clubs, businesses and leaders specialising in culture change, leadership and tailored team development programs. And let me tell you guys, this interview has something for everyone. Justin himself played 252 games for the mighty St Kilda Footy Club in the AFL and we chat about how culture has changed over the years. Justin shares with us different leadership styles and how vulnerability is often the key to a team achieving their common mission. But it's not just corporate workplaces or sporting clubs that we talked about. Justin shared some amazing advice for how to become a leader in a situation where you might find your friends or family members sliding down a dangerous path and how to intervene to make an impact that could save a life. Justin has some great tips for the leaders and emerging leaders out there to empower their teams, while also how to support your leaders, friends, peers and teammates to drive a collective standard and ultimately achieve the outcome you desire. After sitting down with Justin, it became clear to us that leadership is found everywhere and there is a need to step up when the opportunity arises. Justin mentions leadership is a skill we can all learn and become better mates, parents, colleagues, and members of society. Now, our friends, please remember to subscribe and follow the show, leave a review, and connect with us on socials. I don't need to tell you, you guys know what to do, but trust me when I say that 2022 is going to be a huge year for the show and you don't want to miss it. But for now, sit back, be ready to be inspired by the great Justin Peckett. Enjoy. Welcome to the Dawson D Show. Two great mates striving to improve in all areas of their lives. The podcast is designed to empower everyday humans just like us who want to add more joy, energy and happiness into their daily lives. Sharing our real life experiences and everyday struggles, relating to them in a personal way. Expect uncensored stories, plenty of laughs and tips and tricks to inspire you on your own journey. Now, let's go balls deep. Dice, another new environment today and very exciting. We're a bit closer to home though, aren't we? Yeah, we're still in Hawthorne, but we're not in the home studio, mate. Where are we? Oh, mate, we are with the chairman of leading teams, Justin Peckett. Welcome to the Dice and D Show. Uh, thanks for having me. Good to uh, see you guys. Firstly, sorry for the uh, delay. There's been a lot of setting up and uh, a bit going on. But firstly, can you tell us a little bit about what leading teams is? You would have done a little intro. D's intro would have been shared with all of you guys. But can you yourself, Justin, give us a little understanding of what leading teams is? Yeah, what we are, I guess if I start with why, we exist to help teams and individuals to improve their performance. That's really why we exist. So everything that I do, we do with our clients is about helping them to improve, whether they're already in their own eyes high performing and traveling really well and performing well, or perhaps they're up the other end of the scale, completely dysfunctional or somewhere in between. So yeah, we work with any given team, essentially. And it's all about improvement, but we have a focus around culture and behavior and relationships and communication and um, you know, personalities it's the people element and and how that either helps a team do what they're there to do you know whether it be make money whether it's to win a game of football or a game of sport it doesn't really matter what they do it's the dynamics and it's the cultural bit that we focus on to help them improve their performance so that's what we do it's why we do it it's pretty simple not overly theoretical Um, there is some science to it but it's more about just getting people in a room together and and being able to have conversations around performance which some teams some leaders really embrace there's other teams and other leaders that don't necessarily embrace that so we're not for everybody Yeah, well, I can't wait to dive into it all as we go on. But just before we do, I want to ask you, Justin, how you came across it and what drew you into to getting involved? 
Yeah, so uh, summer of 94, 95, Ray McLean, who's the founder of Leading Teams, came to uh, the St Kilda Footy Club where I was a player. Yeah, we had a pre-season camp down in Lawn, and I, having spoken to Ray and having worked with Ray for over 20 years now, yeah, Ray's reflection pretty early on in our pre-season camp at the Saints was, what the fuck have I got myself into here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so fair to say, you know, from a football point of view, cultural point of view, you know, we liked a good time and... Yep. That didn't always obviously uh, relate to then winning games and clearly not winning premierships. So um, that was my first exposure to the leading teams model as a player. A little bit sus on it early. You know, I was a young bloke getting a game of senior footy, getting drink cards down in Frankston at all the pubs, um, you know, having a good time and playing senior footy. So life was pretty good. Yeah. And so I had this bloke here, Ray McLean, sort of starting to talk about behaviour and being accountable and you know all this sort yep. of stuff. And obviously they're sitting there going, well, hang on, why would, why would I want to change... I'm getting a game of footy and, and, and life's good. So, yep. But it didn't take long to sort of understand how this could help us as a club and as a team and as me as an individual. So started to bind it pretty heavily and, yep. and, and build a relationship with Ray. And so that was my first exposure. And then Ray trained a number of the players up to facilitate and, and, and we'd go out to the community, work with kids at risk, um, Indigenous communities, the prison system. And Ray had us trained up to be able to facilitate groups to be able to get to some agreed outcomes uh, around you know, improving themselves or, or the team that they're in. And, and then that just progressed. So I did that sure. for a while while I was playing, progressed to running some sessions at the club with the administration there, did some work with the club sponsors. And then I retired at the end of 2006 and um, it just became a natural progression that I joined yeah. leading team. So that's what I've done since 2007 full time. Cool. When it starts, I guess you mentioned the word culture. Is a lot of it, you said people push back. It's not for everyone. Is, is conflict a major part of this? Like why is it people don't want to change? Like why is it not for everyone? Yeah, well, I mean, there's lots of ways to address performance. And this is one way. So the learning team is, is, is a way of doing it. There's lots of ways to do it. So, so it's not right or wrong. It's just that, you know, you go into any team, any business, any organisation, and there'll be things that happen which is really a reflection of leadership and it's a philosophy, it's a, it's a belief. And so people have different beliefs and different philosophies. So, so when you go into an organisation or a team and, and, and we're looking to try and improve performance through empowerment, people having more ownership, more say, you know, looking at and valuing relationships as a way to improve performance or being more open and honest and transparent, again, not everyone will love that automatically um, some are open to it and are willing to to embrace it and others are just look i'm not i'm not that interested in culture to drive performance i'm more interested in having technically really good people world experts in their roles and as long as they can do that and produce whatever they're producing then they're happy so that so that's okay so the conflict yeah some people describe it as confrontation or conflict what we're trying to do is in, create a safe environment where people can have whatever conversation they need to have in a genuine way with a commitment to resolving it and moving forward. I often say to people, you know, think about the strongest relationships you've got in your life and then think about some of the conversations you have with those people, either personally or professionally. You can blow up, you can get over-emotional, you can crack the shits, you, you know, all that yeah. sort of stuff. But because you've got a strong relationship, there's trust, there's respect, you move you move through it, you resolve it and you move on. You don't hang on to it for the next 6, 12 months, 2 years. So what we're trying to do is replicate that in the workplace, which it you know can be done yep. awesome. if you're up for it. For sure. Because I want to ask you a little bit about some of the leaders, let's talk footy for a second, that you played under throughout your year, so even as far back as juniors. And how has leadership changed? Have you dealt with some serious authoritarian leaders, the kiss and cuddle? I don't know if there's a better word for that, leaders. Yep. But 
I want to ask, how has that changed over the years and is it improving? Um, yeah, oh, look, there's old school thought and yep. there's the new school thought, I guess. So when I first arrived at St Kilda as an example, or even as a young player with junior coaches, with the dads that were coaching yeah. at the time, you know, they were hard asses. a lot of just telling us what to do. Yeah. And even at the elite level, coaches as teachers and, and telling and directing. And that's, again, permeated through the team and that's how we operated. But sure. I think over the years, what, what leaders, coaches have started to embrace is that clearly... Not everyone's the same, yeah. And and so from a style point of view, it's a balance. So if yeah. you're if you're telling and directing all the time with everyone in every situation, it, you just got to understand there's some limitations to that because you've got people who actually know what they're doing, sure, have knowledge and experience, and in the heat of battle are are probably better placed to make some of those decisions yeah. and can act on it. So so it's about trying to get leaders to understand that there'll be a time and place depending on who you've got, who the situation. You know, a different style might be more appropriate. And so you don't want people having to cuddle everyone all the time yeah. because that takes you away from other things. So, But every now and then having a relationship with someone where you, you can throw your arm around them and give yeah. them a bit of a cuddle if that's what's going to drive them to improve their performance. But it's 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 moving through the different styles so you're not locked into one all the time. And I think there's been some good examples, particularly in the AFL, where coaches have had uh, a lot of success coaching a certain way yes but times have changed yep um, and and people change and and the environments evolve and there's different standards and expectations so it's your ability and your willingness as a leader to adapt and, and adjust your style and some are able to do it some have to work really hard and it's yep. a constant focus and others just aren't prepared to do it and again it's not right or wrong but yeah understand that there's implications and consequences so with an empowerment model, I say to coaches and leaders, just remember, even in an empowerment model where you're trying to give more ownership to people, you're, you're still the leader or the business owner, you're the coach, you're still entitled to yep. stop and go, no, no, this is what we're doing and it's, yeah, not, it's not going to be consultative. I'm actually going to... But the people won't feel micromanaged. They won't feel like they don't have a say. It's just in this occasion, and they'll know why, the, the leader or the boss is telling us what to do, and that, yeah. that's okay. So it's, it's just trying to create that environment, that understanding with leaders that they can adopt different styles. If It's a skill thing, so some need a bit of work and, and practice and feedback, and you know they get there and they get good results. Yeah, it's a great word, empowerment. Definitely. I'd be keen, if you're open to it, would you be able to share maybe some experiences from your early days in footy of the styles? Like... Could you think back to one of your hardest, most brutal, stupid? When you look back, you go, "How did how did the coach make us do that?" Or not that it was like you said, it's not wrong or right. It's you know, as the years have gone on, times have changed. I don't want to say we've become I don't know soft as a society. That's probably in, you know just a probably not the right comment to say. But I'm sure back then, footy training was a lot different. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, I, I won't I won't pinpoint anyone who. in particular. <laughs> no, but I, don't name names. No, but. no, no. But I, look again, it's it's a philosophy and style. It's you get us when I reflect on it and what I've learned about leadership and culture and environments and how teams and organisations operate. I, I, I get the sense, and it's probably more than a sense, but you know, if you use the AFL as an example, or AFL players as an example, you know, they're they're athletes, they're footballs. That's all they are, and that's all they know. And so, a bit of a sense of a bit of a sausage factory where you go in as a as a yeah. young player, they squeeze as much out as they as they can, and then you get spat out at the end. And and in some cases, and and this is. And this is why the AFL's done a great job with the you know the players' association, all the support that you now get 
during your career but also post. There were players that would, would spend a long time inside an organisation, an AFL club, and leave no better off having been part of that organisation. Yeah. So, you know, they might have played some footy. Were they financially better off? Were they mentally better off? Were they physically better off? Did they gain knowledge and experience? What else have they learnt in their time as a player? Or have they just been treated as a player then spat out as a player. And so for me, that, that is an indictment on, on culture, the environment, you know, the leader, not just the coach, it's the, it's the admin, it's the, it's the board, it's everyone involved. Whereas now I think it's, it's, it's changed dramatically. There'll still be the odd person, but I think more so now that the clubs and the leaders take more seriously, you know, the holistic approach to a person. So sure. we, our role as a club or as an organisation is to develop young men and women so that they are a better place to spend the majority of their life, which is going to be outside of their chosen sport, in the community, yeah. adding value. So simple things like creating real time and space for, a, for an athlete to study or to have a, a meaningful part-time job that they can actually commit to and turn yeah. up to on a regular basis and you know, get their diploma or their uni degree or you know, get their, their trade certificate, or, yeah. Or, yeah, whatever it might be. Whereas at, at one point in time, it was just footy, footy, footy and... You know, yeah, 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 we, we care about you and we want this, but no player really felt like they could take a day off to go and... Well, that, that's all changed, and I think that's, that's a good thing. Not being inside clubs at the moment, me personally, um, I, I don't know at what levels that is now, but yeah. I think overall you're getting lots of AFL players, as an example, leaving clubs and are better equipped to make meaningful contributions to society and, and live a good life not just because they've got a big bank balance or, yeah. or they, they were good at kicking a ball around. So It definitely so, looks like that. Yeah, like, I, look. From the yeah. outset, it looks like yeah. that. Yeah. And so I guess in the I'll say in the old days, it was very hierarchical. You know, you come in. You know, I didn't feel like at the start that I could get a massage with the trainers because I haven't played enough games or you don't speak in a meeting. Uh, you haven't played enough games. So, yeah. So there, there was that and that's just the way it was. And I think... You know, times have changed again. Where if, if you're a new person coming in, if you're you're living, breathing the expectations that have been set, yeah, you know, you're well placed to be able to share your view and provide feedback or ask a question and 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 not be just treated as someone who's just making up a number until you've earned your stripe. So that's yeah. another thing that I picked up as we went through, as I started through to when I retired. It became a you know high performance environment. It meant that as long as you were buying into not only the game plan, but also the way that we train and the way we prepare and the and our cultural expectations. Then, let's hear from you. What have you got to say? What what can you contribute? So, um, there there are probably a couple of things that I've picked up along the way that that through my journey I noticed was happening and you know better off as a result. It's funny we we're talking about this today, and I was saying that I think the hardest coach I ever played under was under 11s, like in terms of <laughs> swearing and flogging us and screaming at us. And then as I progressed, like I'm still bit intimidated by my coach now which i think is healthy for those but wondering daniel played for south mornington so <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, they can work that you out could, you could chase that back but <laughs> yeah and it's funny how that shifted but i want to ask you like i know what like we've all been in footy clubs you've obviously at a much higher level let's let's make that clear as well but <laughs> i worked in an afl club for a couple well, you of did. years so you didn't play, didn't play no. <laughs> but it takes a few years before you can actually like you said go up and actually have a chat to your coach and say either you're struggling with something or even talk about injuries and things how long did, do you remember it took you before you had a relationship with somebody at a very senior level to be able to go and have those more open chats and were you able to go and talk about things that were happening in your personal life yeah um i had a few players that so again this for me there's an indication of culture it's it's, it's an indication of 
having senior people, whether they be players or coaching staff or football club staff, who who see value in you know welcoming, inducting, yeah. building relationships. So I I always felt that I had a couple of people at the club, whether it be players or coaches or staff, that um, showed uh, you know high level interest in me and care. Yeah, good. So so I probably never felt that I didn't have a coach that I could chat to or yeah, cool. or a player or a teammate that I could chat to. I, I always felt I had that. But I know that others didn't feel that. So I remember having some conversations with some younger players who it's interesting because they, you know, based on uh, an experience, not necessarily that they've had, but they've witnessed from others. So let's say you've gone and had a really poor experience with the coach and it might be just based on your relationship with the coach. Yeah. You've had a, a poor outcome or an experience, then you go and speak to someone else and share that experience. Now that person hasn't had that experience, but then they they then worry about whether they mm. will go and yeah. speak. Yeah, I see. Yeah. So so yeah, yeah yeah. So so I, I remember having a few conversations saying, well, no, just just because that's their experience doesn't mean that has to be your experience. So what what are you doing to help trying to build your relationship? You now, do have you ever just knocked on the glass and say, have you got five minutes? Just would love to have a bit of a chat. So. Yeah. Yeah, you know, if you and if you do that, and the coach says, you know, fuck off, and I'm not interested, yeah, yeah. well, that yeah, you know, that's not great, and you probably won't do it again. But again, if the coach is into and see, and I, th- I think coaches these days, and it's I think it's well publicised, are, are more. It's about the people. It's about the person. It's about relationships. It's about building that trust, and 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 then that's when you start to get those better results because. If, if a coach is talking to you and trying to give you instructions or give you feedback about your performance, but you've got some shit going on at home that you haven't been able to share with the coach and he doesn't really understand yeah. and, 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 and talking to you first thing Monday after the, the horrendous weekend you've had because of a family issue or a relationship issue or drugs or you know, you've made a poor choice, well, the coach could be sitting there talking to you going bang, 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 but you're not listening. You're yeah. not open to it. And, yep. and then the coach gets frustrated because he doesn't get the result or the outcome he's looking yeah. for. Well, so the work that I do is is trying to get leaders to understand that, that if you don't have that relationship, it, it just means that you might be giving feedback, you might be giving direction, but you just got to understand that it might be the wrong conversation at that point in time for yep. that person. So see yourself as a leader, but understand that you are going to have to manage, you're going to have to coach, you're going to have to counsel, you're going to have to support, you've got to teach, you've got to educate. You might have to be a friend, a counselor, and, and wrap the arms around. They're all the roles that you play as a leader. Yeah. Um, and any given time, if someone knocks on your door, they, they actually might want to talk about their marriage breakdown, or they might yeah. want to talk about mm. their health, or that you know, whatever it might be. It doesn't mean you solve everything for them, but you're there, and at least then you have that information, so you know the next time when you go to have a chat, you, you, you might ask a different question before you get into the, yep. you know, you didn't do your job properly, or you know, yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So yeah. So it, and that's where some leaders go. Oh shit, that sounds like a lot of work and mm. a lot. But that's in our model. That's where we're trying to push leaders at that high level to see themselves there and understand you'll have all those roles. You won't always get it right. You'll miss opportunities. But if you've invested in the relationship, it just means you'll be able to work your way through that. So we create a lot of time and space in our in our work with our clients. Is let's sit down and and, and do a checking. Let's. I did one this morning with our leadership. We did a checking. Um, and it just gives you a good understanding of what's going on for people so that you're a better place to develop strategies, support, or challenge people around the decisions they're making. Yeah. So you don't need to know the ins and outs of everybody, but if you have a baseline understanding of what's going on for them, it, you can lead them better, more yeah. effectively. And and they're more prepared to follow, they're more prepared for discretionary effort, they're more prepared to, when you do have a blow up or you get a bit you know, pointed with them, they, they accept it. Yep, um, yep. So it's... Leadership's not easy. No, no. It sounds like a big part of it, and you, we've kind of seen it over the last couple of years, especially like a few years ago with 
Nathan Buckley and I know they worked with mm. the Resilience Project and, and Hugh Van Kolenberg and embracing vulnerability and it's been a massive part of society. The queen of vulnerability, Brene Brown, like she's just yep. exploded into the world. How have you seen vulnerability transpire in large businesses and organisations? Because I can imagine it's a very, I don't know what companies you've worked with, but I'm sure there's a lot of ego involved at times. Mm. Is vulnerability, I guess, a key part of that? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, if I ask groups to give me their you know, most admired characteristics of the leaders that they've you know, been exposed to, particularly leaders that they know, whether they be personal or professional, you know, vulnerability comes up pretty regularly. So it's something they admire. They, they admire a leader who's prepared to be vulnerable. And so what that might look like is, you know, I might ask a leader or a leadership team, yeah, any team, but always start with the leader because I want the leader to role model. So if the leader wants vulnerability in their team and wants open and honest, then the leader has to display that and role model and show the group that I do want it and it's real. And, and again, we'll create time and space to make sure that happens and prioritise it. So I might ask a leader as an example to come in and bring in a couple of objects that are really significant to them and then tell a story as to why those objects are, are significant. So I remember one leader who's pretty task-focused, wasn't building relationships with their with with their staff and there were some issues around that performance issues that that happened as a result and I asked the leader to bring in a couple of objects and this leader brought in a pair of dirty old runners yep. and put them on the table and then told an amazing story as to why those runners are significant yes it was about health but it also then led into a story about a marriage breakdown wow. and you just see the whole group sitting wow. there just going wow okay now we get it now we understand yeah. why you are the way you are and the way that you deal with people and it just broke down some barriers and then it just freed up the leader to be able to have normal conversations with staff as opposed to just task-focused ones. Yeah. But you've got to take a risk. And so, again, it's, it's working with leaders in the first instance to be able to be willing and have an appetite to, to put themselves out there. It might be an example where you get a leader to sit down. I did this on Friday and we do this as a regular process. But on Friday, the, a leader sitting in front of their peers and getting direct, open, face-to-face feedback. Yeah, that that's yeah. That can be a risk, and it you you got you're putting yourself out there. How do you reckon I'm going? And and so there's an element of vulnerability in that, and I think you can see it happen. And and the comments afterwards, the the groups often just talk about, wow, that's that's powerful. If you can sit there, and we can have these types of conversations, it just takes a group to another level. Doesn't always work, mm. you know, on the odd occasion, uh, and there's you know there's issues around that, and we've we've got to be able to work our way through those, but. Vulnerability, putting your hand up and saying, I don't know, or I'm not sure, um, or I've made a mistake. You know, I would have loved to have seen some vulnerability from Dan Andrews uh, <laughs> over the last years, but let's not go all. there no. because I'll go on a rant. I love, but that. It's, I love but it's, that you just said that, though, because vulnerability doesn't have to mean you have to put your heart on the line, does it? Like, no. you can just ask a question. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a leader not pretending that they know everything. You know, so we'll do some experiential activities, and it's designed to test in the first instance, the leader. And you'll have some leaders who try and bluff their way whole through it, their yeah. way through it because they're the CEO and in their mind they should know everything and, and, and so it's just fascinating to get get them to understand that you you know, it's okay. You've got knowledge and experience in the room. What if there's someone in the room that's actually done this before and knows the answer and can get it done on time, <laughs> under budget, safely for you, as opposed to you wasting time trying to pretend that you so being yeah look guys does anyone actually know how to do this because I'm a bit unsure you yeah know, that's it's, so powerful <laughs> and and yeah. and I, I think and again I'm 
this is I'm not a political person. I think that what's been happening with COVID has obviously added a layer of complexity and pressure to to leadership across all industries and, and and business types and none so more than you know our political leaders and it's been fascinating for me as a, as a student of leadership to see how they have behaved and how they've communicated and how they've responded yeah. and some yeah. of them would have done really well to say you know what we actually got that wrong and here's our plan I, I think that resonates more with people when you do that as opposed to pretending 100%. you haven't got something wrong or blaming yeah. and not taking responsibility so that's I've got pretty angry at the television screen. Don't get me worked up. Well, the I'm the same. Months, so. like, it annoys me. That's our, they're our leaders, the whole country's leaders, or in some cases the world. And it's, it's like my way or the highway. I was going to ask you, and by the way, just we had a laugh this morning about what you said about that sort of open feedback because Gary Ablett Jr. is one of the more famous cases of it working in a positive way. Yep. And they were having a laugh about, uh, was it Ackermanis? That, oh, yeah. Ackermanis, uh, the dogs. not yeah. so much. But, yeah. but for the listener, we don't know there's such a wide range of listeners and in different areas of their life so it could be the workplace school sports club how do you have better conversations as a leader but also if you're not in a position of leadership do you have any advice for actually going up to that uh, the captain coach and actually getting them to share a little bit about how they're going yeah yeah. that person in leadership asking them how they're traveling because they're probably not used to getting that question asked of them yeah look teams are a little bit different so they're probably not a blanket answer to that yeah but it does still come back to the leader or so there's leadership through title so so i've got the title i'm the leader of the team so you know i have a responsibility to create an environment where people feel safe enough to just come up to me and so we have a heavy focus on relationships so if you if you build the relationship staff might still feel a bit uncomfortable and get butterflies in their stomach but they won't feel well they won't feel fear they won't fear, you know, putting themselves out there. They, they, yeah, this is a bit uncomfortable and I'm, I'm not sure how this will go, but I feel safe enough because the, the leader really should be creating that environment, which, yeah. which, which enables anyone to speak up. Again, regardless of age, gender, you know, what you're getting paid, why you turn up for work, how long you've been here, it's, that's yeah. how we operate. So, so setting up this expectation around this is how we operate. So when we have a team meeting, the expectation is people contribute, people do share, do ask questions. Yeah. And so as a leader, if I get a sense that you've asked a question, I can get a sense that maybe you've put yourself out there. I, I might want to reward that and say, look, uh, maybe after the meeting, come and grab you and say, look, I just noticed that you know yeah. you, that was brilliant. I, I reckon if you did more of that, so you, you know, you, yeah, you like give people that. confidence. Yeah. Mm. So for me, it's about if I'm really clear with you around what sort of a team environment I want, and I've given you an opportunity to chip into that. I need to then be on the lookout for examples of it and yeah. recognise people and reward people for it and, and encourage people for it. And then someone who's sitting there who's a bit quieter notices that you're now spoken and then they're okay, well, it's okay to yeah. speak up. So you, you sort of get that snowball effect where – but for me, it still starts from leadership. Now, if the, if the designated leader through position doesn't create that but you've got some people in your team who are highly influential, but they might even be more influential than the designated leader, the boss, the coach – and they're open to doing that sort of stuff and, and, and asking questions and you know driving how the team performs, well, then you can get that done that way as well. Yeah. So I, I often work with teams and, and you know part of the process is to, who are our most influential? Are they on board with creating a safe environment and, and, and driving a high-performance culture or, or they're not? Yeah. And then how do, we, how do we address that? So it's a bit of a weighted numbers thing. Yeah. So you may not have everyone, but you've got enough weighted numbers where that's, that's where we're going. Yeah, and that can be productive or it can be counterproductive. So, well, it sounds like you're almost treating everybody more like equals, like as a, as a team rather than than that one person's on a pedestal above everybody else. What Listen they say, to go, me, like, yeah, it's, it's like no. you're creating that that open environment. Yeah, it's, to- it's 
regardless of the org structure, from a cultural point of view, we're a bit more of a flat organisation. We all can contribute, but we also understand, as I said earlier, that at a point in time, the boss might say, well, this is what we're doing. Of course, And we get that. But it is about, yeah, we are equal. So one of the things that I find happens with the work that we do, if, if a team really buys into our methodology and creates a really strong reference point for how we're going to operate from a dynamic and cultural point of view and and we're really clear around what we expect, it does break down the hierarchy because it gives you absolute clarity around how you need to behave, how you need to communicate, the fact that we do build relationships. And so ultimately you spread your leadership capacity because to show leadership is just if you see something, do something about it. Yeah. Uh, If you know something, say something. Yeah. I don't actually have to wait for our boss to do it because I've seen it and in a me I can address it. Yeah. Or after the meeting, I can go up and have a conversation with you because I'm one of your teammates. And yeah. So, your I, so and you take it the right way because that's what we do here. So you expect that you you expect feedback from your boss. Yeah. Or your coach. So that's part of their role is to give feedback. Where it becomes really powerful in a high performing environment is it's not necessarily coming from the boss or leader. It's coming from the the person that sits beside yeah. you. It's your teammate. It's your teammates who care enough to say, "Hey, listen." When you do that, this is the impact it has on us or you know, help us understand why you make that decision because this is now the impact it has or you know, the way you did that, that was brilliant. The way you dealt with that customer or the way you dealt with that, that's brilliant. That is powerful. So, yeah, so when you're talking that. about Huge. the Gary Ablett thing or in a, in, a, in a sporting environment, the power of your teammates pumping you up or rewarding you is, I, I find, more powerful and more impactful than the coach. Not to say the coach shouldn't do it. Yeah. And it doesn't feel good when the coach says, great job yeah but when your teammates look you in the eye and say that was amazing that that's yeah. brilliant that's a great example of what we stand for that and, and then the flip side is when your teammates say hey mate pull your socks up that's not us that's not what we stand for we need better from you and here's how we help you that's where you've got a self-managed team and that's empowerment because people feel like they can actually say something or do yeah. something so that that's what we're yeah that's what we're trying to create and i think we do create that with the teams that we work with more often than not sometimes you, it takes a bit longer to get there sometimes you never get there quite yeah. Uh, but that's okay. It's it's the appetite to try and embrace an empowerment model, uh, which we think gives you that sort of longer-term benefit. People go, people come in, they get inducted really strongly. The wheels don't fall off. You don't have yeah. a good couple of years and then you fall off the cliff for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sydney Swans, we've been working with them for a, a 14, 15 years in some way, shape or form. You know, apart from you know, maybe the year before, you know, they haven't bottomed out too much. No. And, and some of it's personnel and their training program and the, you know, the, their footy program, but it's also about culture and relationships and how they communicate and the behaviour they expect from anyone who yeah. comes in and puts a jumper on. So They're Famous for that. Yeah, it's, a, it's yeah. a combination. So you get that right and you give yourself a chance to perform at a high level, whether that's sport or in a corporate sense. Yeah, when you hear the word culture in AFL, you think of blood's culture. Like yeah. That's the swans. Um, yeah. Machi reading... How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. You've yep. probably read it. And I can't remember what chapter I'm up to, but it talks about allowing people to feel heard and wanting, like everyone wants to be heard as a leader, creating space for someone to feel heard. I'd love you to talk on the point. You've got children. How to create, for any parents listening, how to create, because parents are leaders essentially course, too. Yeah. How to create a space as a parent for your child to want to, feel open enough it's hard i, I yeah. don't have kids and definitely a long way from it justin but um <laughs> yeah. how do you, how do you create that space for for a kid to feel comfortable to to speak up or, or tell their parents oh this is happening or that's happening yeah look I, I don't know if it's too dissimilar to what i would try and do in any other team that i'm in it's ask a question and really just 
listen. It's interesting. I've had some people say, Justin, you know, I don't want feedback. I don't want advice. I just want people to listen. And so yeah. I might have one of my kids talking to me and I, I, th- I think I know the answer. You know, sometimes I might jump in and then I go, oh, shit, could I have asked another question or I could have given them a bit more time and perhaps they would have got to the end outcome themselves. And and I look, I'm far from perfect, so it's not, not about getting it right every time, but I, it can be frustrating. Kids can be frustrating. So yeah. regardless of what they are, age they are, but... You know, I find myself every now and again getting caught in a in a one on one with my, one of my older kids, and then I just yeah that 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 was just a waste of time. That we didn't get anywhere there, and I should have just probably just listened and not said anything, or just I don't want to be giving out parental advice because I'm not <laughs> I'm not the perfect parent. But I think you, you said it, it. It's wherever you are, whoever you're working with, whether it be a family unit or or a working unit, sporting unit. I think it it is about creating time and space, either as a collective group. So I ask a question of a group and if they don't fill the space in the next 30 seconds, do I panic and fill the space for them or do I wait longer? Mm. You know, and, and that's it's a technique. Yeah, and sometimes it's it's the urge because you ask the question and I know the answer and I can see that. So what I, then I just... so it's it's And that's where I go back to as a leader, you know, you might have to parent, you might have to counsel, you might have to manage, you might have to... And I just think it's about being aware that right here, right now, what, what will get the best outcome? And it might be... I've asked a question. I haven't had much of a response. Do I jump in and tell, or do I ask a better question, or ask another question? Mm. Do I wait? Do I, do I look at them and give them the sense that I'm not about to jump in here? I'm, I'm happy to wait for as long as it takes for yeah. you to. And, and and I'll do that with groups or one on one. But sometimes my kids are giving me the shits that much. I might just um, <laughs> grab them by the ear and just say, <laughs> yeah. "I'm your dad, so listen to me, and I'm <laughs> yeah. telling you what to do here." Yeah. Um, but that doesn't often work either. So. Yeah. It's, look, it's just the ongoing challenge and you, you try something, you go, how did that go? It didn't work that well. Okay, what would I do next time and what might get the better result? And sometimes I go back to the kid and say, or one of my kids that I've had the blow up with and just say, look, I, I just yeah, apologise. I reckon I overset the mark there. I reckon... Like you said earlier, putting your hand up, you know, as a boss going, you know what, like maybe I was wrong there. Like the yeah. same for parents. To me, that's so sense. powerful yeah, yeah. when people yeah. do that. Yeah, like I love hearing that. Yeah, I haven't said it because when I'm working with clients, they... They often talk about, you know, at home and some of the things that I introduce. Oh, this would be good at home. And I just say, oh, this stuff doesn't work at home that well. So <laughs> it's a bit like the trader is, you know, he might be the, a plumber, but he's got leaking pipes and doesn't get around to fixing them at home. Yeah, spot on. Goes out and fixes everyone else's. But So there's an element of that. But um, So there's no one sitting at the head of the table at the Peckett family dinner and everyone's firing. Uh, in <laughs> no, no, there's, um, yeah, it's bedlam at our place. Um, <laughs> but isn't that sometimes, like when you say that, like, the term gets thrown around making sure your cup's full, you know, compared to filling up everyone else's. Like you use that plumber analogy, like your own cup, your own pipes at home aren't even working properly, but you're still out there fixing everyone else's. Like, yeah. What, you know, we, we probably should be filling our own cup yep. and our own relationships first. I, yeah. I don't know if that's yep. it. No, I've heard people talk about lead yourself first, then you can lead others. Yep. And I, I don't think it's about, again, it's it's not about feeling the pressure to be perfect. I One of the things I come up with a lot, with leaders is and I'll ask them do you think the team would describe you as genuine do yeah. you think they think you're genuine so if they say yes then I say okay well then you can get up in front of them and you could have any conversation you could get it wrong you could say the wrong thing you could come out the wrong way you could ask them to do things that perhaps they're not used to or you might say something that really stings them and they don't really like but deep down if they think you're genuine then everything will be okay mm-hmm. 
But if you get up in front of people and, and they don't think you're genuine, and even if you're trying to reward them or give recognition, they're going to be a little bit sus. They're going to go, okay, yeah, I've heard that, but where's the, where's the catch? You know, what's happening next? Because the, the genuine bit is really important. You know, having said that, to, so a young leader who's going to run a, a review on a Monday with their, with their team but didn't play the best game themselves or perhaps you know, haven't played as many games or whatever it might be. And the same thing, do you, do you reckon they'd say you're a genuine person and, yep, okay, well then, yeah, you'll be a bit nervous, but you'll, they'll be open to what you're saying. But if, if that's the gap, then as a leader, you, you've, you've got issues. Because they'll they'll nod their head and go, yep, yep, yep. Then they'll walk out and go, well, that was a crock of shit, wasn't it? You know, he, mm. he or she doesn't do that. They won't listen. They won't respond in the way that you think. So we, we test leaders a lot about, their again, their depth of relationships and, and how genuine they are when they speak to people. How genuine are you when you ask someone about how their kids are? You know, do you know their names? Are you able to make a link to what they said a month ago to what you're now talking mm-hmm. about? That would indicate to someone that it was a genuine conversation last time because you asked me questions, I gave you a response. Yeah. You've remembered some of the detail. You've been able to then make that link to the next conversation and that, that sticks in people's minds. And so then when you are talking to them, whether to give feedback, instruction, whatever it might be, people are more likely to be open to what you're saying, whether they like it or agree with it or not. Um, Authenticity. Like, yeah, that, that's exactly what it is you know yeah. and that just takes me back to when i was a kid and my dad and his business and sometimes stupid like to think he had a database with every client every person with their wife's name what footy team they go for what are their kids names what's their birthday like a database of all that stuff mm. and he would make sure every birthday or every, before every meeting he remembered all those and as a kid i'm like gee that's that's pretty but I look back now and I'm like that's business it's like, in the book as well isn't yeah, it yeah it is mm. it's just being as genuine as you possibly can and show genuine care yeah if I'm thinking myself if I'm in that situation I want people to remember those things about me of course you know you do it to them it's how you make people feel and if they feel valued if they feel safe they feel a part of the team and if they feel you're genuine they feel you care and you're interested well again you're going to be able to have whatever conversation you have when it comes yeah. to performance and you know, meeting expectation, et cetera, et cetera. This chat's just expanding my thoughts and even just leaning in friendship groups and relationships and like it just goes so much further beyond than what you kind of associate with. Have you ever had an experience that might have been with a client that you might have stood in the back of the room or in your sporting career or in your professional career where you've seen a leader get up and you've seen them address the team? And you've seen the whole group respond in a very positive, like I want to get behind this this man or woman. And you know that old sort of thought where you just you'd give your life for this person in that moment. Have you ever seen that in front of your eyes? Yeah, I reckon I have. I mean, the great late Spud Frawley, he was a very charismatic and had a lot of presence yeah. as a leader. And so even just one-on-one listening to him and he engaged with me, I wanted to play footy for him and I wanted to yeah so I felt he was good at you know getting the troops together even if it was to get up to no good yeah so you know you've got you can use your powers for good or evil so (laughs) so, yeah he's he's one that sticks out for me particularly from a football sense sure just a yeah very influential very powerful a lot of presence very charismatic could get stuck into you on the field and I I, you know I learnt my craft next to Spud as I was a back pocket and skinny little kid and he was this huge potato farmer and you know, <laughs> knocking out opposition full forwards and all that sort of stuff. And 
you know, if I made a mistake and made him look silly, he'd let me know. But he'd also follow yeah. up with me and he'd explain and you know, yeah. he put he'd put his arms around yeah. me and he'd do all that sort of stuff. And so, again, it's it's someone that you want to follow. Of course. And, and where yeah. are you going, Spud? Because I'll come with you. Sure. Yeah. Um, and and again, that's a sporting example, but yeah, you know, that happens in corporate organisations yeah. as well. Reminds sure. me a lot of our chat with Lockie, our previous guest, about setting the standard. Yep. You know, setting the standard. And I, I think about uh, friendship groups. And as you, you know, and the big mission of ours is, you know, trying to empower young men and women in their 20s to just think outside the box a little bit uh, and unlock their secret ambition in a sense. You know, what do they really want to do? And it's easy to get caught up in different crowds. And those crowds can take you some pretty crazy directions if you're not careful. As a young person what's a good way to go about pulling a mate aside and saying mate that's not a good i, I don't mm. reckon that's just to try and relate to our younger listeners like because i reckon there is a few that might be at a stage where they they might know someone that's gone fuck he should probably he's going out every weekend and getting on the beers or taking some drugs or doing this and they know it's wrong but they don't want to say anything yeah like, what's the best way to approach something like that i don't know if that's something you yeah could, uh, oh, look, I reckon, look, I made some poor choices in my early... We all have, mate. That's <laughs> fine. Yeah. And it's interesting because it, whether it's a friendship group... Now, I've coached under 19s for the last couple of years, so I've got two sons that are right in that, in that space. And certainly trying to get them to understand that when you, when you see a mate who's about to make a decision that is dangerous or you know, could jeopardise a job or a, you know, whatever it might harm be, other harm other people, whatever that right there and then you've got a choice and you can either pull them aside and, and, and cop the fact that you might get told to fuck off and yeah, and, and you've just got to be big enough to go, well, I tried. I tried. You know, what other options have I got? You know, who else could help me? Is there four or five of us that could actually just grab our mate and say... So I think it's it's trying to it's trying to move away from that like to, to that respect and, and, and the next day your mate would respect you more because you've stopped them from doing something that potentially going to read about him in the paper. And I know there's, this happens everywhere, but at our junior club, we've had a couple of examples, you know, with the, the drink driving. You know, and I, I did it when I was younger. And you've got to take personal responsibility. But I also think that if, if I had my time and know what I'd know, if I saw one of my mates, you know, we're at the pub and he's got his keys, I'd be a lot more, whether it be physical, I'd, I'd do whatever yeah. I had to do to stop him from making that decision. And, and it's interesting when you're working, in, particularly in sporting clubs with, with young people, you know, I'm often talking about, particularly with the leadership group. Okay, we're going to have a we're going to have a bye weekend, all right? So everyone's going back to their hometowns. You know, this. So so is anyone that we're particularly worried about? Okay, who are they? Uh, who's at risk of fucking up? Who's I at like risk? That. Who's at risk that we're going to read about them on Monday in the paper? As opposed to, we probably know that old mate's going to go down to the local pub in his local town, be the hero of the town, <laughs> get on the juice, and, yeah. and who knows what might happen? Or it might be. Christmas holidays that we know that they're not going to be overly disciplined with their diet and they're going to come back over overweight what responsibility do we have as leaders either in in a football sense at a work sense or as a leader within my peer group with my mates to do something say something try something grab someone else who might be able to intervene or help so it's it's breaking through that I don't want to mess up our friendship and I don't want to not be liked by my mate or mates to no no they'll respect me because of actually I care about them I'm invested in them and I've tried to stop them or help them in a, in a situation. I'm not saying it's easy to do mm. and, and hindsight when you, you know, I'm 49 and if I knew now what I didn't know then, whatever it is, um, yeah, we'll all be better off. But 
it's trying to encourage them that it's okay to challenge your mate. And and I I've done that a lot with the under nineteens that I've been coaching, having two sons in the team and had to pull them all together and 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 I've hit them up and 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 then looked at them and said, well, did did you know that he's doing that? Well, what, what did you do about it? That's, well, I didn't do anything. Like so. That, yeah. So it's not to it's just to try and get them to understand that that's not going to be the only time that happens. You know, you, you, you got your next weekend, you've yeah. got your next Christmas, you've got your next and then the reality for me, the harsh reality, it's almost hidden between the eyes. You know, there's lots of people your age that leave home and, and don't plan to not come home ever again. Like it's not their plan, it's not their thinking. Mm. It's just they've gone out and they've made decisions and haven't thought about the consequence and all of a sudden now that you know their friends are gathering around a you know, a tree or a light pole putting flowers down because, you know, we know that our our mate used to do it all the time but we know never said anything. So it's it's trying to be real with them. Uh, and hit them up and try and again give them confidence and knowledge and a level of willingness where they can actually look at each other and go, no, no, fuck, you've been a dickhead and, and this is what this could lead to. So tough, you're not going to get it right every time but just yeah, trying to break through that like versus mm. respect sort of element. Amazing. But it's it'll be an issue for forever but it's um, hopefully, I know with my sons and their, their network that hopefully there's a few of them in there that have the balls to... Mm intervene as a coach i i know who the most influential are and i go to them and say what are you doing about this it might seem unfair but you you need to say something here because they listen to you i love that so it's 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 that sort of ongoing education and definitely i remember when i was in under 18s one of the best things our coach did was make sure everybody had every single other player's phone number and on Saturday night, that no matter what time, if it's 3 or 4 a.m., because you're 18, you're starting to drink, go to nightclubs, no one could fear having to call anybody to pick them up if they need help. And I, that always stood out to me. Mm. But just along your lines of what you just said, because I was so powerful, on that first time you have that chat, should you go straight in and like really be quite hard and pull your socks up? Or do you try and ease in with a kiss and cuddle and give them... Because you might not have one or two chances to, to have that tough mm. conversation. In that kind of extreme circumstance, do you go straight in with something you know, hard-ass? I think you can do a bit of both. So if I've ever brought the group together based on some behaviour that's happened off the field or been away and a group of the young boys have got together and done their own thing and you hear a few stories or whatever it might be, you might start with a few questions. I yep. might know something, that they, whether they know yeah. that I know that or not. You mm. might ask a few questions, sort of see what sort of response you get. You might step it up from there. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's opportunity. You might go in hard and then finish with, you know, why would I go in hard? Yeah. Why, why would I have said what I've said? You know, and and reinforce that care, love, you know, whatever it might be. Sure. Um, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't give a fuck about what you did on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, point. And and my kids again, they're not angels, but every now and then we say no, and and I know your mates are going, but you're not. They're not yeah. going to appreciate that at the time, of but course. I'm hoping at some point they'll go, well, Mum and Dad, it wasn't a free reign. There was times when we, we, we didn't get to go and maybe we know a little bit more about what potentially could happen that they don't see at that time. So it's just, I think it's about taking the time to explain and understand, get them to understand why you might communicate this way that you do or why you've made that particular decision. And so it's, you know, hopefully it comes a bit more of a two-way. Mm. So, yeah, I don't like your decision you're making. But I understand. I sort of understand. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I know there's always next week. Yeah, so yeah. You know, tonight no, but next week again. I'm I'm certainly not trying to make out that I'm some sort of guru when it comes to parenting because I'm not. But that's something that we try and 
I guess I've had some success with it. Firstly, we've been going almost an hour, so oh, it's probably so a good time to probably really up, wrap yeah. it up. But firstly, like, how to how does everyone find you or get in touch with you with leading teams or if there's anyone who works for an organisation? Is, is there ways that they can get in touch? What's your website, social media, anything like that? Yeah, should have prepared. <laughs> no, Sorry. look, my head. Look, we've got a website. I guess it's leading teams dot net or something we'll or have it we'll, we'll have it in the show notes don't worry yeah so yeah that, that that's the best option just to go through the website and there's contact details there if anyone wanted more information or yeah to speak to me or others so yeah all all that's on our website Beautiful. got one final question awesome and i think i know the answer but i want to hear it from justin a leader's born or do we all have leadership within us i think leadership is a skill which can be learned it can be coached it can be learned some people will have, perhaps from a personality point of view, a bit more character or a presence, but I don't think anyone's born, in my view, as a leader. Mm-hmm. I think it's about environment. I think it's about decisions that you make. I think it's about about the feedback you get. I think it's about training and education and knowledge and experience. It's about having people who actually choose to follow you, whether you think you're a leader or mm-hmm. want to be a leader. If people follow you, you've got influence, well, then that's that's leadership, so you don't actually get to pick necessarily to be a leader yeah we, we have we have those conversations regularly with with people around that and 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 people disagree and think that people are born leader and that that's okay i just yep. don't necessarily subscribe to that awesome appreciate you taking the time mate and looking forward to hopefully staying in touch and maybe connecting our audience further with justin and what he's doing so i love that yeah thanks again mate we really appreciate it and uh yeah we're, we're locals around here so we'll have to, to catch up and grab a beer one oh, i want to pc you on that billiard table <laughs> no, yeah, no worries good luck with that i'm, I'm pretty good thanks, thanks justin good idea thanks